Good evening from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm James Briarch, and it is Wednesday, January the 13th, 2021, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Carolina Weather Group. In just a moment, we will bring you part one of our year-end conversation with the Weather Channel's Jim Cantori. We'll have part two coming your way publicly right here next week, but you'll be able to unlock early access to part two of our conversation with Jim Cantori when you become a supporting member of the Carolina Weather Group at patreon.com slash Carolina Weather Group. You can see it there on your screen, or you can find a link in the description of this post or podcast. You can also unlock early access to our January 27th episode, where we take you aboard frying pan shoals off the coast of the Carolinas. That's available now, patreon.com slash the Carolina Weather Group. We'll hope you uh, will check that out, where you can unlock episode extras, and obviously also unlock early access to upcoming episodes. We appreciate your support in this new year. We couldn't do it without you. Now, here's our conversation with Jim Cantori. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We're happy to have you this evening, and we have joining us tonight... Jim Cantori, our good friend Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel, Mr. Storm Tracker, who has been busier than ever, I believe, this year, Jim. (laughs) It's been a busy year for you. Uh, Tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, reviewing 2020 and just all the crazy things that's happened in the weather community uh, with storms and hurricanes and and how we battled it with COVID as well. So a really interesting conversation tonight that we're looking forward to. So Jim, uh, we were just talking a little bit um, before we started tonight. Uh, how are you doing? I, I, it's, it's been a busy year. Do you, are you getting any rest here recently? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's been good. Um, you know, obviously it was, it was quite a run in September. And then, you know, November where we're usually just not doing much at all was, was, was cranking up. And I, obviously it wasn't so much being in the field, but but being, uh, but being in the studio, you know, talking about the threats to Central America. But, you know, then there was Ada where I went and the system was far enough offshore where it didn't really affect us in Marco. And I said, guys, you sure you don't want me to stay? Because there's, there's a chance this could be coming back toward Florida. No, I'll just come home. So, so Thursday morning, oh, here, here we go with the hurricane watches out for uh, Tampa. And it's like, you know, they, they had to fill in that one spot, right? Because it's the only spot that didn't get filled in for the whole Gulf and the whole East Coast. So, yeah, with advisories this year. And so the, so I went back out and got got into Tampa, and uh, and that was the last landfall I did. There's certainly no rest for the weary in 2020. Uh, Jim, we've started a new Patreon since we last talked to you last December, and we've allowed some of our Patreon supporters to send in questions. So tonight uh, we would love to go ahead and start with a few, I think three. Sure odds and ends questions that won't fit in anywhere. So we figured it's best to throw them here at the beginning uh, where they don't match at all. So first and foremost, um, I'm an anonymous Patreon supporter. If you could point to a single piece of technology that has changed our field over the past 20 years, what would it be? I mean, it's gotta, it's gotta be numerical weather prediction. I mean, I mean, I, th- I mean, as, as much as <laughs> they're not perfect, and trust me, I just did a snowstorm in Pennsylvania that I wish I was in Binghamton, New York for, okay? Uh, anyway, it, it, as much as they're not perfect, I, I do think that they've, they've, they've helped us and they've gotten us a much better idea um, of, 
of what we can do with, you know, I mean, it, it, the, but the list is close. I mean, you know, you look at the, the upgrade to, to next rad and, ha- and having radars available to us and uh, unless they get blown out, like Lake Charles did during Laura, um, they're, they're obviously very, very valuable. I mean, we, you know, we can see tornado signatures and we can see the winds, you know, I, I came in for the Mississippi tornadoes, the twin EF4s there. And I mean, just to see the, the wit, here's the width of this thing. You're, you're, you're like scratching your head. It's like, is that right? Is that really like a mile and a half wide or whatever? On the, so the, the radar is, is certainly close second, you know, the new goes, and what we can do uh, with, with goes, there's, there's just so many things that are available to us. And honestly, guys, social media wise, I, I think a lot of us are communicating with each other. A lot of us are getting to know each other better on, on Twitter and, and Facebook, especially, uh, especially Twitter. I really like Twitter for us because it's quick, it's to the point. And, you know, you, you, you kind of know now if you follow certain people where they stand and, and where they're going to go. Um, with, with what they're thinking. And, and I will say for me, certainly being a, a veteran to, to learn from you guys, from, from the younger generation of stuff that I didn't go to school for, but yet I'm going to school through you. I mean, I, I never even heard of PV streamers before uh, Philip Pepin talked about them many, many moons ago. So it's like, wow, that, that's pretty cool. And it makes sense to me. So uh, th- those would be, those would be my top four without question. All right, two more. Uh, both of these coming from West Grime. Is it possible to use the dew point to forecast the low temperature on a clear day if there's no fronts moving through or anything like that? I've heard that's a thing. Is that true? I, I yeah, that's what I did in college. <laughs> that's what I did at Linden um, because I, I, I would get you know look at the dew point and what it was what it was going to be uh, like the night before, and I'd be like, okay, well we're going we're going to kind of settle back down toward that, all things being equal. And it was usually within about 10 degrees of, of, of what that dew point was. So it, it's, it's part of the equation. It's not all of it, you know, but it's, it's, I, I thought it was part of the equation. It's a neat little forecasting tip. Yeah. And last but not least, a favorite topic of yours. When you're out storm chasing, how do you seem to get yourself at the right place at the right time? Like- well, dude, t- sometimes it takes a lot of work. Um, like Sally. Oh God. So, so I'm like, you want me in new Orleans, but the models are trending East. I'm like, we're flying into Gulfport. We could really stay right there. Uh, so we went all the way to new Orleans. Cause that's where they wanted me. I'm like, all right, whatever. I, I just do what I'm told, you know? And then we went our way back to Gulfport the next day. And I'm like, okay, well you realize though, we're go back to Gulfport, but you, it's probably going to go even farther East than that. That's whatever. That's what the models are trending to do. So the next day after, after Gulfport, we went over to, to, to Pensacola and finally kind of found a home there on the eastern side of that thing with the storm surge. But it's not easy because there's a lot of people making up their minds of where we should go and where we shouldn't go. And, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that they let me chime in with my opinion. It doesn't always get me far. But the most exhausting part about travel is not necessarily broadcasting for the hurricane. It's doing the morning show and then having to pack everything up and move to another location. Because once you get to that location, it's not just, okay, we're here. Let's, let's do our live shots. It's okay. Where are we logistically going to be? What's going to make the best shot? Is, is there going to be storm surge here? Are we safe here? Uh, is my cameraman going to be protected throughout the live shot? So there's, there's all these logistical things that come into play. So by this point now it's six o'clock at night and you're exhausted because you've been up since three 
And now you got to get ready to do the whole thing again the next morning. So every time we move on a day we do live shots, it just exponentially wears you out. But, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that they do give me a say in, in, in my locations, but it is up to me to get my team in a good spot. Uh, like where we at the golden nugget for, Oh God, what was it? Beta. I don't even remember the damn name of the storm. Um, what, what was the Mississippi one that, that crushed them? You guys jump in. Delta. Delta. Okay. Delta. Delta. I, knew, I knew it was a Greek name. I just can't remember which one. So, so, so yeah, so Delta, I'm like, this is going to be a great shot because the water's going to come right in here and this is just going to be a great shot. Uh, so that, I mean, that allows us to, to allows us to get, get there and, and, and really set that up and make sure we had higher ground and get our cars up there and things like that. So it, t- it takes a lot of work. What, I, what you don't see behind the scenes um, I think is just as important, if not more than what you see on camera. And Jim, this one's coming from me, man. I'm, I'll tell you what, this year has been interesting with the tropics. I mean, we've cleared over a third of the Greek alphabet, you know, and, and it's just been an unreal season. I mean, when we talk about, would we ever see something like this again? Is this going to be the norm going forward? What ingredients come into it? You know, what, tell us what your take is on, do you think a, a, a strong signal in La Nina was a triggering factor? Do you think our warm pool in the Atlantic has a lot to do with it? I mean, kind of give us some ideas of, of why you think we had such a hyperactive season. I mean, it was, it was off the charts. You know, if somebody would have told me we we're going to have 30 storms this year, I would have been like, oh, I mean, we're going to have an above average season, but that's, that's a pretty bold forecast. Um, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, La Nina, you know, certainly coming in and when it did getting into the, to the mid to strong range. So what that tends to do is just, you know, cut the shear and the whole basin was warm. There was plenty of warm water, but the weirdest thing was the, all these, all these rapid developers. I mean, we had all these storms that had developed either late before landfall or, or, or developed at, at some point um, over the, like Paulette and, and, and whatnot, you had a rapid developer over the ocean and things like that. So, but so that, so a lot of, we just had so many rapid developers this year and that that's kind of the oddity to me because you can get certainly strong, a number of strong number of storms. If you get a warm basin and light shear, but all of a sudden, you know, what, what's kicking these things in overdrive. And yeah. in some cases at the last minute, when normally the continental shelf will weaken them, we already had a, we had already had a bona fide cold front come through the Gulf of Mexico and South Florida. And here, and here's Ada, you know, now granted, I think that did weaken it as it made its approach toward the West coast of Florida, but still to even get something, I mean, that John Hope was our tropical expert, you know, way back when, and one of his rules was once you get that cold front through, that's it. That shuts that shuts down the Gulf. And we had a couple of storm threats after that. So, you know, I, I guess in 2020, um, the 2020 factor kind of applies here. Yeah, But I, but I think it's really interesting how many rapid developers we had and so many of them close to land. I mean, even you know, look at, look at uh, Iota and Zeta down in, in, in Nicaragua. I mean, we had to wait till the last storm of the season to get the Cat 5. I mean, goodness gracious, that's crazy. Yeah, there was there was definitely a lot of, of our eye this year, and what I felt was interesting was that you didn't see a lot of rapid dissipation over land. I mean, these things stayed strong over land for some time. 
whether yeah. it can be attributed to brown ocean effect or whatnot. But you, you brought up a good point when it got wrapped up along the cold front. Usually when hurricanes enter, enter into a bare clinic environment, they fall apart pretty quickly or they get pulled up along it and stretched out. And, you know, these, these storms defied odds this year, you know, some of these just, well, they um, did, they never, they never got like dry air intrusion. They, it was like, they're all, they were like protected from this cocoon. And that's the other thing too. If you get a develop a rapidly developing system that comes ashore and is accelerating onshore, moving onshore, it's, it's going to take a lot longer to wind down. I mean, you should see the mess that Zeta did in Northern Georgia. I mean, there's a lot of trees down up here, a lot of trees down up here. And it reminded me of um, uh, Opal back, I think it was, was it 95? Was that Opal? That's right. But it kind of did, it was like one of these storms that actually was a five, went down with three, but it was held, you know, holding its own. And then it accelerated up in North Georgia. So it takes a while for these things to wind down, but they just cause a whole bunch of tree damage, man. It's it's yeah. mess. I think I remember seeing the power outages. It was more in Georgia than Florida, than uh, you know Louisiana per se. It was like over a million without power in, in uh, northern Georgia. So that was. Yeah. And it kept going too. I mean, we had a lot of trees down in western North Carolina and up into Virginia too. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, you know, once 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 we get off hurricane duty, it's it's kind of hard to lose track sometimes, or it's actually easy to lose track of what actually happens after that, but. Um, I, it, it's just been amazing to me, these things as they come ashore, especially this year, like you said, they, they're just, their, their damage path has been incredible. And it, even if it's a TS or a, a depression, I mean, something, it's like, they just don't want to die. <laughs> they don't want to go away. And that was the, that's the year it's been. One more for me. I'm going to pass the baton off to uh, Dan. And uh, the question is, you've been to a lot of places this year. I mean, I you probably wouldn't be able to remember off your memory, but Give us some of the uh, the more significant places you went to to experience storm chasing, whether it be hurricane or winter storm, even early in the year. Well, yeah, actually, Milwaukee was the the only winter storm that I did last year, which was kind of mind boggling because they're so fixated on the northeast coast. It's like, well, guys, you know, can't what if Kansas City gets two inches of rush hour on on a Tuesday morning? That's a, that's a big deal. Um, plus, you know, they were concerned about the COVID thing and everything toward the latter part of the season. You no, know, I thought that was awesome being in Milwaukee, great city, you know, seeing the, <laughs> seeing the, you know, Lake Michigan just go crazy, um, in Milwaukee was, was pretty awesome. That's kind of started the year. Then we went through all the hurricanes. I went to New Orleans four times. And interestingly enough, New Orleans really never got a big threat. Okay. They, they had the one storm toward the end there that, that hit them pretty good, but they never really got a big, big threat um, that, that flooded them. And that's really the biggest issue for, for New Orleans, but flying there four times, I thought was, I mean, I never done that before. I think they were in the cone like eight times or something, seven or eight times this year. It's just crazy. Uh, and then the snowstorm, I just went Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I knew Philly would change over. I knew they would mix. I knew we'd actually mix with sleet in Bethlehem. I just didn't know we'd get dry. The dry slotted thing is what, what, what really killed us. And then to see four states with 40 inches plus, I'm like, this is just absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. From, from a, a low pressure system that I don't even think broke under the 990s when it was doing its work. I mean, really? That's crazy. I know. Non-lake effect too. I mean, that was still right. all just, I was all just the low. I mean, all, wow. all time snow in, in Binghamton. All time single day, so they all, so they all they broke their all time single day by almost twice as much snow, so eighteen to like thirty one or something. I mean, that's it's 
crazy stats, man. Crazy stats. Speaking of, um, you know, some of the hurricanes this year, we want to, of course, mention Hurricane ECIS is, you know, the Carolina's kind of biggest hurricane of the year. Um, I was uh, there in Wilmington myself uh, for the storm. And um, we know you were over in Wrightsville Beach there, Jim. Yep. So we have a video that we want to play and kind of, you know, the best way to describe, uh, you know, what happened there with you. Uh, video, you know, says a thousand words. So uh, we're going to play the video and kind of just, uh, if you could kind of tell us what happened over there in Wrightsville and, and kind of what you experienced. Well, I should remind everybody of kind of the new norm in broadcasting as we're doing this. So it's, it, you know, we used to come out at the tops and bottoms of the hour, even in a hurricane and, and give everybody an update on what's changed. But the new norm is like, okay, well, look, since we've got a great signal, we've got HD audio and, and video now, why don't you just stay out during the entire storm and take us through the whole thing? And that's kind of a recent change, you know, in the past three to three, four, five years, uh, that's that's kind of what's evolved. But that's a lot harder <laughs> because, you, I mean, you're literally standing in the eye wall. And, and granted, you know, you're talking about something that was on the high end of, of Cat 1 and, uh, you know, borderline Cat 2 strength here. It's just hard to stand out in winds that strong. And, I mean, you see me struggling there. And the only other time I had to take a knee was Isaac in new orleans because i know we had a, a weather group out there they, they were measuring winds like 90 94 miles an hour through those two buildings and this was this was very similar to that and it's just hard to stand there i mean you're literally guys you you know you go to the gym you do squats or you do leg presses and things like that it's hard to hold a press for for that length of time and and so i i mean i just had to i just had to drop down for a second. I mean, the audio wasn't that great. You've got raindrops splatting on your, uh, on your, uh, on the hood of your jacket. So that's making it difficult to hear back at the weather channel. So you're just trying to put a couple of words together, a sentence together or two to kind of get, get you to the next thing. And I'm just trying to remember all the facts that I know, you know, uh, about the storm itself. And of course you're trying to say the name. I mean, he said, yes, I mean, goodness grace, <laughs> you know, it, it took me about three days into that just to learn how to say it right. Uh, so that, that was a tough storm. I mean, it was, you know, those winds were up there, you know, 80, 90 miles per hour uh, coming around the, the, the side of that building. And it was, it was just tough to stand through it. But again, it's like, take us through the eye wall. That's my job. That's what they're asking me to do. I'm going to, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Uh, the good news is that, you know, I didn't get hit by anything. Um, the, the good news, the wind was essentially coming off the water and whatever was being blown off the top of the building was being blown inland and not down at me at, uh, at ground level. I, I, I probably should have had a helmet on, frankly. I, I definitely should have had a helmet on for that storm. Well, Jim, um, we've all faced the coronavirus pandemic. Um, Ooh, yeah. yeah, I know, 2020. So how has this pandemic affect your job? Well, I mean, you know, first of all, you got to wear a mask everywhere you go. And, you know, they, people still come out and want to meet you and, and take pictures with you and things like that. And, you know, and I, my producers had to, Steve Pederak has had to police that the entire summer. It's where like, you know, you, people get so excited about taking a picture for whatever reason, I don't know why me, but they, 
they do. And then, and then they're like, well, you got to stay six feet apart. We got to stay six feet apart and I got to put my mask up and things like that. Sometimes somebody will come around the corner. You don't have your mask on. You're just taking a breath, looking at weather data and they'll just grab a picture and it, without saying anything to you. And then management gets upset with you. So that, I mean, that, that a lot of that to, t- to tell people to kind of like, well, take a picture with me, but you got to move away. You got to stay six feet away, but I get it. I totally get it. And, and we played by the rules as best as we could the entire summer and even into this first winter storm that we've dealt with. But that, that, that certainly made it more difficult. Um, you know, we got to get more rations because restaurants and things aren't opening. They're closing down a lot earlier. Some of them never even are open. So we got to make sure right. you can eat for three, four, five, six days. Uh, you know, we're gonna, we know we're going to lose power. So it's going to be hot in the rooms and things like that. Just, you, you just got to pre, the, the, the pre-planning was a lot different. It, we just had to, we had, had to make sure everything was buttoned up in terms of being able to eat, being able to follow the COVID guidelines, uh, you know, remind people that look at the shelter that you went to last time is probably may not be the one that you go to this time because right. they're only taking half the people. All right. You may have to go and be bust farther North and people that were in the surge zone, it was probably like, how do you convince people? Oh gosh. Okay. Look, it's one thing asking me to evacuate. I know this shelter. I've been there before. It's okay. But now I really don't really feel like going on a bus and being shipped to Northern Mississippi or Northern Louisiana to, to get out of harm's way. So uh, that took some convincing for folks. But I, I think the fact that if, if there was one good thing, if you can call this good, the fact that Louisiana and Mississippi were kind of in the bullseye and, and were dealing with this so many times, they kind of had the system down. So they just put it back in, in motion every, every time we got a new storm. So that's, we didn't have to test so many different areas that that area would dealt with some of the worst storms, but they really had it down. That's uh, a very good I, point. I yeah. Wow. Nice. That's the one silver line. Well, Jim, we're talking about COVID and I think pre COVID um, this has lost, in my opinion, a lot of attention. And I guess, you know, with this crazy of the years has been, but we had a pretty active early spring severe weather season. Uh, no, uh, March 3rd, 4th, as yeah. COVID was starting to happen, yeah, yeah. we had an EF4 tornado just went right through downtown Nashville. Yep. I mean, it was one of the eeriest video. I mean, it was, I think, one of the most captured videos on Twitter, you know, just uh, with that. We also had severe weather here in the Carolinas where Charlotte, down uh, Charlotte, downtown Charlotte, EF2, I believe, that went through uh, just south of, of town. So right. uh, copied with uh, a month later, the Easter outbreak where we had an EF4 and of all places, South Carolina. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a pretty crazy severe weather season. And then I guess you kind of capped that off with the, the derecho in Iowa. I mean, what is your, what, what was your thoughts on any of those events uh, that kind of stood out to you? I, I mean, the record for billion dollar disasters stands at 16, but that's going to be broken this year. Okay. We are going to have more than 20, billion dollar disasters. I don't know if it's going to be 21, 22, 23. I'm not sure. But that's just, I mean, this was just an off the charts year for big weather. And you're right. It was everything. It was, it was the severe, you know, with, with the tornado outbreaks, especially in metropolitan areas. It was the, the number of hurricanes that we had. Um, it's just the, the fires, you know, we haven't, t- we haven't even touched on the fires 
out west. I mean, goodness gracious, just again. And, and there was no stopping it. It literally started at the beginning of the year and just kept on going. And, you know, La Nina, as you guys know, especially in the southwest, does not favor big rainfall. So, ugh, you know, you, you wonder what next year brings once we get into uh, spring, spring bloom, and it's, that starts to dry out, right? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, I mean, look at, the, look at the drought growing right now. If you take a look at the drought monitor, it's almost kind of scary seeing it kind of creep out of the southwest into the central United States and northern, you know, Omaha. You're not really thinking about Omaha being dry, but they're starting to dry out a little bit. So, so drought's going to come into play big time as we get into 2021. That's going to be a big player, I think, for a lot of people. But, yeah, it was, it was just nonstop, man. I mean, the, and, and, and it, would be not, it would be easy to just say, okay, well, because of COVID, everything was exacerbated. No. <laughs> no. We had 30 hurricanes, okay? We had tornadoes hitting big cities. And, I mean, it, it just literally lined up right, right with each other. And, and we just had a, an epic nor'easter, um, like I said, that dumped 40 plus inches of snow over four states, which wasn't one of these things. We saw it early. We knew there was going to be something. But in terms of nailing it down as to just how big this was going to be over the interior of, of New York and, and Pennsylvania and, and New Hampshire and Vermont, we didn't know that until it was really day of. Until day of. And I guess it's a sore topic for some, but it's something that really needs to be addressed is I think we can contribute the climate change, global warming to some of these bigger events that's taken place. I mean, it, they're, they're only getting worse and, right. and the climate, the, 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 the climate continues to warm. So, I mean, it seems like they're going hand in hand. I mean, what's your, yeah. What's your... I mean, it's time to accept it. It's time to accept. We have a, we have a warmer planet. We have warmer water as a result of that, which helped us obviously crank out 30 hurricane, you know, 30 named storms this year. Um, and, and honestly, I, you know, I just like, we like to operate at 98.6, uh, the planet likes to operate at a, at a comfy temperature. And when you, when you thrust something that's uncomfortable to it, uh, into it, then it, it, it's going to react, um, extremes breed extremes. And, and, and I think we're seeing that. So I mean, here it is. I mean, do do ever now that saying that we're not going to have thirty hurricanes every year, we're not going to burn five million acres in California every year, uh, but you know, I, I think these are the kind of things that we can expect, and you, you kind of wonder what's next, right? I mean, you know, when, when we come out of this drought that we may get into here, do we flood everywhere? I mean, you know, you wonder if you're just going to flood everywhere to get out of it. Get, Cause it's always like yin and yang. It's just, but it's happening like one right after the other. It's almost like you go from drought to deluge or deluge to drought. It's just crazy. Another thing to tie onto that, um, as of this taping, December 22nd, mm -hmm. uh, the Carolinas, Greensboro, North Carolina is 1.2 inches, I believe from being the wettest season on record. So the opposite of the dryness, the drought and quite frankly, we've not really had a major tropical system that's moved through the area that's dumped six, eight, 10 inches of rain that we can see from landfalling tropical systems. Oh, uh, so think so. about that as, as dry as it is over a huge chunk of, of the West and now building into the central U S the Southeast and of Florida has been absolutely soaked. 
And, you know, the Northeast is probably going to come out of drought before we end 2020. Uh, when you count the snow and the rain they're about to have with this next system on Christmas Eve and, and Christmas Day, I mean, they're, they're probably going to come out of drought. And, and that was getting too exceptional. You know, you start depleting reservoirs in the Northeast with that population concentration, and that's a really big deal. <laughs> okay, they, they've always kind of come out of it recently, but there's a lot of people up there that depend on, on, on reservoirs and water. So you dry it out up there in an extreme level, and it's bad. So they, they, they got lucky. But they just literally, once we got into fall, boom, all of a sudden we just started erasing, erasing, erasing these droughts and starting getting some nice, you know, tropical moisture into some of these systems that came north. Um, so they, they lucked out, in my yeah, opinion. It is actually good to see that there's been some rain and snow up there through the fall. I, I can yeah. tell you firsthand, it was a long, it was, it was hot, also dry summer fall. at State College. Right. And it, it actually was a beautiful fall, too. So they got the best of all worlds. Right. Jim, we're going to transition over, uh, speaking of wildfires to the West. Um, so again, another crazy year with the 2020 wildfire season. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, the wildfires going along the, the North uh, West Pacific coast, um, like Oregon and, and Northern California? Yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you actually asked that question. Cause a lot of times it's easy to just focus on California because they had so many right. papers burned right but um it, it was oregon was it oregon washington and colorado had like their biggest fires in each of their states yeah i think you're right, right. Th this year in addition to what happened in california so yeah. yeah really 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 severe season really dry really hot uh there was again monsoon didn't seem to show up in the southwest at all so that was certainly a player in that but yeah man it's 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 crazy i mean not only do you get dry and hot, but these normal seasonal rains like that, like the monsoon flow that comes in, just didn't even show up again this year. And that, that's just, that's just crazy. Uh, you know, a yeah. lot of us haven't experienced that. Has it happened before? I don't know. I don't know. They, they say that California used to have, you know, really, really long, long droughts. Um, and you can see that in the tree rings and things like that. But, you know, the fact is, is a lot of people have moved into the wildland interface and right. there's a lot of structures um, in there, people's livelihoods and things like that. But we, he, but here's the deal, knowing that we know that we have to, we have to build to our natural disaster. We have to do a much better job of building to our natural disaster. And, and frankly, in some places like barrier islands and maybe the deep woods of the West, we, we don't need to move there. Let's just leave that alone. Let's, let's leave that. To, to nature's preserve. There's plenty of other spots to live in. And uh, we've also seen just phenomenal weather with um, dealing with fires. Like I think uh, there was a fire NATO uh, in, out in California um, this season. And it's just uh, yeah, another crazy. One. Yeah, another right. one. Wasn't it yeah. the campfire that they had the EF3? Do you remember that? I can't remember which fire it was, but they had they literally had an EF3 tornado. It's the strongest tornado in California history. And they had, a, and they had a, what would have rated probably EF2, right? Yeah. With this one. Yeah. So this, the strongest, isn't that amazing? The strongest tornadoes in California history have actually come from fires, fire needles. Wow. <laughs> Using the term pyro tornado at uh, a conference I attended. Uh, right. Alex Hoon, one of the, one of the uh, 
uh, incident meteorologists out there coined that. Are, are they acknowledging that as the strongest tornado or are they kind of putting an asterisk by that and just saying? I, I'm not sure if they're calling that the strongest tornado or or whether they're, you know, had the asterisk like you said, but uh, it is, it certainly has been recognized as a fire generated tornado. Right. I mean, well, there's video of it. You could see it on the radar signature. I mean, the damage. Right. Signified EF3 damage. I mean, I don't know what else you need, really. I think that um, was the Loyalton one, right? Is that the Loyalton NATO? Fire NATO? <clears throat> it, it was the one with the campfire, I'm pretty sure. Yes, yeah. the, cam- the camp yeah. one was the big one. That was the, that was the big one. Right, right. That was but, really wild. I'll say one other thing about the, the fires was seeing the difference in smoke. You know, when you have <clears throat> your Diablo winds, your Santa Ana's in, in California, the sagebrush, right? You have the white smoke that goes up with further north you went it was more peaty so there you know just the fact that fires could burn in these wet environments was it was a feat of itself but you could see the different like the greenish colored smoke and the real dark gray it was really gnarly on satellite you know it was wrapping out over the pacific ocean and boy that was that was intense to see yeah you're right some of those satellite pictures and the the type of pollution that they had in san francisco for days and days and they got a nephew out there He's just like, you can't even breathe. You don't even want to go outside. It was really bad. Even even inside your home, you could smell the smoke. That's how bad it was. So, um, yeah, man, we, 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 we need a break. We need a break. Yeah, that's how I'll remember it is just day after day of smoke covering almost the entire western half of the country. Yeah, you remember those pictures? There. Yeah. Remember those pictures of San Francisco, like orange? Right. right. I literally yeah, orange. That's all you can see is an orange, orange glow. Glasses. You didn't really see sunlight. It was just an orange glow. No. It's like felt like you're on another planet. Everyone, thank you for watching this episode of the Carolina Weather Group. Stay tuned for part two with Jim Cantori coming soon. And when that part two becomes available, our Patreon supporters will receive early access to that episode. So check us out. Patreon.com slash Carolina Weather Group to unlock early access to part two of our conversation with the Weather Channel's Jim Cantori. And you can also watch our January 27th episode taking you aboard Frying Pan Shoals right now at Patreon.com slash Carolina Weather Group.